0: Good afternoon. This is your host, John, of The Research Review, creating a platform to connect and to inspire. I'm here with another excellent guest today, Olivia.
1: Hi.
0: Welcome on the show. Uh, It's awesome having you. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of yourself and your research?
1: So I'm a second year student at Kent. I'm trying to think about how to best describe my research. It was a combination of education, but also using like the environment. So I studied how kids learn outside versus inside. And I did that by looking at their retention levels, which I figured out through, um, I gave them quizzes. And it was really, really fun. And it was nice to be able to combine my love for spending time outside and also educating kids.
0: Of course, yeah. Now, what do you think was your favorite part about that?
1: Um, Probably the outdoor part and taking them on like like the 10-minute hike that we went on to get to like the study spot yeah it's like i don't know they loved it yeah they loved it so it was really really cool and it's fun to see kids like interact with nature yeah like we found i think i think it was deer antlers or a skull i can't remember but we found something and like like seeing like kids reactions to like like bones is like the funniest thing
0: when i was a child um and i grew up in uh cleveland we have Mm -hmm. the cleveland metro parks one of my favorite activities to do growing up was going through the Cleveland Metro Parks, exploring, especially going off trail. And the stuff that we we would find would, was crazy. And I remember that was some of the highlights of my hiking trips was seeing those types of things.
1: Yeah, it definitely wasn't planned because it was it is a church camp. Mm-hmm. So like finding, you know, like the dead animals is never like high on the to- to-do list. But I created the trail. We actually ended up getting lost on the trail because I did not make it very well so <laughs> we got lost on the trail and then we like had to find a shortcut back so i, I didn't realize that the skull was there or the antlers whatever it was so yeah. that was like a nice little bonus to the whole experience it was them. the
0: cherry on top
1: yeah it was <laughs> let me tell you those kids are like i think 15 of them and they were insane they like they lost yeah
0: they have a lot of energy typically
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. especially because it's, like, summer camp, and that was definitely one of the issues because these kids are not there to learn. Right. They were there to have fun. And so, like, being like, hey, guys, we're going to go take a test. It's summertime, but get (laughs) over that. I mean, they had to get over that, Mm -hmm. but... I mean, it was fun.
0: So they, they weren't really expecting that, but you introduced it to them. Yeah. Did they end up having um, – did they end up enjoying it, do you think, long-term?
1: Yeah, I think they did. Um, there was a questionnaire that we gave after, like, the the second, the indoor lesson about, like, which one did they like better? Why? Mm-hmm. You know, like, did you like how the information was presented? And they loved the outdoor lesson. I think they just liked it because it was a change of pace from, like, what you normally do in school.
0: Typical school. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but it, they – they liked it, especially like, you know, like you can tell like the kids that are like know-it-alls in school and like, you know, the smart kids, they loved it. Mm-hmm. I know that if I was a camper and that happened, I would love it too. Plus when you go to camp, you kind of know that you're going to have to do some educational stuff. So they right. didn't have to do like nature education. They did social studies education. Yeah. So, fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool.
0: You know, I think the kids kind of cringe at the idea of school mm-hmm. because not because they don't like to learn but just because of the way that it's taught
1: mm-hmm. I think
0: they like being in, in, in an outdoor environment a lot mm-hmm. more
1: that's where like my research started because I didn't like school a lot mm-hmm. when I was growing up because it had to be inside and yes. like i remember wanting to go outside when i was young i like i have this vivid memory of when i was in 3rd grade and i remember like staring outside and it was like the first nice day and we were learning math inside and i've just never been so angry like 3rd grade me was like so pent up with the anger <laughs> that i was inside and yeah. the lights were off and it was sunshiny outside and they made me sit inside while everything was blossoming i was just like so angry Mm -hmm. and i think that like if given the chance i would love math if we would have done it outside and i would have a way greater appreciation for science as a whole if we could have done interactive learning rather than sitting in a classroom so like that's where this came from also working at the summer camp gave me like you know free access to kids
0: (laughs) do you like working with kids
1: yeah over adults or kids, I choose kids. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, like, love kids. Like, I wouldn't, you know, hang out with them, like, for funsies. But, like, for <laughs> work, yeah. Right. Plus, I, like, it's cool to be able to be the person that, like, you know that you looked up to. So, like, I grew up going to this camp. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, all the summer staff members and my counselors. Like, I remember them. And I they impacted my life so much. I don't think that I'd be into research or into the environment like I am today without them and so to be like that kind of person for other people that makes me very happy and to like be able to be a mentor like Mm -hmm. Amy being able to be someone's Amy means the world to me
0: right so that's fantastic guest Haley Dees came on the podcast last week and her a big piece of advice she shared was she said be the person the role model that your 10 year old self would look up to Mm -hmm. that stuck with me and I think that's definitely something that you're doing right now so two claps for that so I'm, I have a job this summer where I'm going to be working with kids mm-hmm. over in the children's hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I've obviously I've been a kid before and I've been friends with kids before, but what advice would you give to me um, to be better with kids?
1: I would tell you to treat them like people before mm-hmm. you treat them like kids. Like kids won't respect you. Like that, that, now there's like a solid boundary between that. Like you can't treat them like you would your friend, Right. but like, Not talking down to them. Don't do baby talk. Like, talk to them like you would a normal human being. Like, you're an RA on campus. Talk to them like you would talk to your resident. Just, like, acknowledge the fact that they are a person who deserves respect. And just because they're a kid doesn't mean they need to be demeaned for it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I don't know. Kids also want respect just like you want respect. Mm -hmm. And you also have to know that, like, they're going to say mean things sometimes and they don't realize it's mean. Like, a little side story. I was a counselor and we played this game and they were like little facts about me Um, and they had to like figure out who like the facts were about Uh and so I was giving out the the fact that like the person likes to run and this kid looks looks at me and goes she couldn't be Waldo because it was who's Waldo? She couldn't be Waldo. She's too fat. Okay, the kid didn't understand that that was wrong. He's like eight years old. Should he have known? Yeah. But kids don't know that they're going to be mean so you also have to keep that in mind that like they, they're kind of stupid mm-hmm. a lot of the time. They have no real-world ex- experience. The only adults they've probably interacted with are their teachers, probably their doctors in your situation, yeah. and their parents or guardians. Like, mm-hmm. So you also have to keep that in mind that like they don't have social skills. And right. you're providing that for them. And also being able to hand it back to them is so important because like if they're going to be mean, you should probably be a little mean back. Right. It makes you laugh a little. Yeah. And it, make, it makes them feel like you're equals. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah.
0: No, I think it's a really good piece of advice cuz like I said I've, I've been a kid before and when I look back yeah <laughs> well, I didn't come down from outer space one day <sighs> I wish Really? Yeah. I did. You did? Yeah. What, what planet?
1: I was gonna say Jupiter, but girls go to Jupiter to get more stupider. Do you remember that <laughs> third grade? Yeah. So I'm gonna I, say I,
0: Mars. I, I said that when I was a kid. Yeah. When you were a kid. <laughs> when oh, I, was a kid. I Never had to experience that. That's, That's funny. right. Yeah. yeah. Think I kind of think we're a little bit more clever down here. Yeah. Guys go to Earth to get.
1: Go, it's guys. Girls go to Jupiter to get more stupider. G- guys go to college to get more knowledge. Yes. Exactly. Except it's not looking like. I think the role should be reversed <laughs> then.
0: We'll get. Let's get to the. Let's get to Mars first. Yeah, yeah, we'll fi- definitely. And then we'll figure the the rest out. But I remember some of the biggest role models. Yeah, that I looked up to when I was a kid, and the people that I felt most comfortable with were those who, yeah, treated me on the same level. Mm-hmm. I always like to. I always like to be treated as if I was more mature than I actually was, because mm-hmm. it made me feel like that. Mm-hmm. Even now in college, I like it when we're doing research and professors give us our own control over mm-hmm. a project and such like that. Amy's done a really good job with mm-hmm. that, and. It also it gives us a good opportunity to, to safely fail.
1: Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Amy has provided such a safety net with that because like whenever I feel like I messed up or I failed, mm-hmm. she like she can just turn it into like a success. Yeah. Like I I remember like I, I messed up something like with the data and she was like that's fine, we well, it's fine we'll figure it out mm-hmm. and she fi- she helped me fix it like genuinely. She makes everything feel so much safer because you can fail with success. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, I know
0: exactly what you mean.
1: Yeah. Work, working with her is definitely like the highlight, mm-hmm. you know.
0: For, for those who don't know, both of our mentor is Dr. Amy Ward. Yeah. And we've worked with her um, throughout the Sure program.
1: And she works in the geography department back over in McGilvery. So if you're listening and you want to take one of her classes, Do it. you should take na- no, yeah, nature and society. She teaches that. And she also teaches environmental studies and society sustainability and that's a 10 out of 10 class with her
0: and research methods
1: and research methods i haven't and, taken
0: it yet but i love research and
1: methods. the medical geography oh yeah
0: that's something kind of new that she's mm-hmm. brought up isn't it yeah yeah
1: she, it's a really cool class i want to take it
0: because mm-hmm. she she has a bit of an interesting background mm-hmm. within public health and then working within the geography department yeah. yeah
1: she's definitely had a cool life like living in new Zealand, French yeah. husband. She's been everywhere.
0: <laughs> I know, and it's all—it's so cool listening to like her whole career path mm-hmm. that she's talked about. But yeah, given it's working with her has really helped boost my confidence because. Having her put that, that trust in us to make those own decisions, mm-hmm. especially jumping into the research process because it's so intimidating and you don't think you're necessarily capable of making those decisions. Yeah. But someone as as smart as her is putting that trust into your hands and letting you know that they're there to back you up in case anything fails and then shows you that you are capable of making things mm-hmm. like that. And if something goes wrong, then you're also capable of fixing it and like turning it into a success.
1: Yeah, and like she's just so – positive and I think that really helps too like I was like I, I also like remember thinking like oh my research not isn't really like that important you know because I don't know people are doing things with like science like hard science and I'm doing mm-hmm. like social science and it's like I don't know it felt really iffy and then she was like Olivia, this is so important. She, like, kind of made fun of me for thinking that it wasn't important. And it was just, like, you're right. Even if it's, like, your successes aren't, like, that big of a deal in the, the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. she makes sure that you know that, like, right now that that is the biggest deal. And she, like, celebrates with you and for you. Yes. She's just, like, I don't know. She's the best role model. In
0: the big moments and little moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what a real mentor is there for. Yeah. It's been an honor working with her for sure. We nominated her for um, a faculty award. Yeah. Yeah. And so fingers. And so crossed. she
1: she's she better win. She
0: better. She, she deserves be- it. Yeah. Oh, she went
1: through. And if you're listening, she deserves it. She does. <laughs> Done and deal.
0: We're gonna get her on the podcast. Um, hopefully the three of us can come on for an episode because now sad. we have four microphones in here so we can have up to four guests. Wow. It is awesome. But you brought up the point about um how you thought, you know, your work wasn't as important being the social sciences it was compared to, to hard sciences. Um, all research in all, all disciplines Mm -hmm. is equally as valuable and it may be used for different things, but the work itself is, is equally as valuable. A lot of people, I think outside of the research circle don't see it that way. Yeah. Have you kind of experienced that?
1: Yeah. I like when I first started trying to explain my research to my friends Mm -hmm. last year, it was kind of like, they didn't really get it because it didn't seem like research. It just seemed like some, oh, common knowledge. Like, yeah, kids probably do better outside than they do inside. It's kind of stupid. And I was like, I just sat there like, okay, okay, (laughs) that's fine. But I realized like you can't make claims without having the knowledge. So like, and you have to be able to have statistics. So like, even if it's like straight up, like this is what it is and this is my hypothesis and I know that it's right. Mm -hmm. You have to do the research for it. And also like, it took me a while to be able to like fully accept it but i'm never going to be the person that likes biology with peace and love or chemistry <laughs> really physics as well but i am going to be the person that likes working with kids and looking at how they learn and i also have realized that kids get a raw deal okay mm-hmm. they aren't advocated for really they're looked at as stupid you know like yeah. they they're not they're they're, they're, they're so smart, smart. Yeah. Yeah, but like what they want to do is al- always like thrown out the window like nobody really cares I know like you're thinking like oh there are advocates for kids but not for like their education most of the time like we look at our education system and we know it's screwed up yes and there are simple fixes that we could do like outdoor education that Mm -hmm. provides so much for kids and being able to have this research shows it's true and that I'm not just making claims and like there's been so much research prior to this about like the importance of environmental advocacy Mm -hmm. in education but like not a lot about outdoor education and just moving the classroom outside rather than like shaping it around the environment just if you're going to read Jane Eyre and talk about Jane Eyre do it outside Mm -hmm. like if you can do something outside do it it outside yeah there's no reason to be contained into a four-walled space Mm -hmm. you know research helps that so yeah
0: definitely and like you mentioned gathering the data and statistics to prove Mm -hmm. that it's effective important thing about research is there's people that Build the buildings, but then there's people that make the blocks. Yeah, you can't build the buildings without first making new blocks. Yeah. So in order to, to build that new education system, you need to have the data um, and the statistics that prove that a certain um, implement is effective.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree, and I yeah, the building block that was a good, that's a good explanation. Yeah. I like that. Uh,
0: I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now what what do you what do you think is the um what would you say is the end goal of your project?
1: Right now, Amy and I are working on getting it published, and we're working on the article right now. I just finished the lit review, Mm -hmm. like, a little bit ago, which was, like, the most reading I've ever done (sighs) ever. I know. Like, yeah, so we're working on that. And then also I'm presenting at the undergraduate research symposium for Mm -hmm. the SURE program, but I'm also going to submit my thing for the – Environmental Research and Design Institute, their like symposium that When's they're that having. At? It's April 13th and 14th, I think.
0: That after the undergrad symposium? It's before. It's before? Yeah,
1: because the undergraduate symposium is the 18th. And the other one is like right before, but they said that I can use my, the same poster and things.
0: Where's it at? Where's
1: Downtown. Oh, okay. Um, Downtown Kent? Yeah, it's the the conference center that they have.
0: Oh, that's going to be awesome.
1: And they have, like, some speakers coming. Uh It's the Environmental Science and Design Research Institute. And their symposium is the Environmental Justice, Ecology, and Race. That's their theme. And they have so many people coming. It's like, and you just have to register. But they Mm -hmm. have, like, the coolest people coming for it. And it's, like... It's, I think it's so important for, like, today, like, to be talking about it because I feel like environmental racism has really gone, like, under the radar for so long that a university, like, can't talking about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it just, like, that's really cool. D-
0: describe uh, what w- describe what environmental racism is for people who don't know.
1: I'm going to use an example because yeah. I'm really bad at explaining it. So, like, redlining. What's
0: redlining? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Okay, so
1: in the early 1900s, uh-huh. um, black communities were – red lines. So like they drew lines around a city. I'll yeah. show show you a picture of it. Okay. They drew lines around a city and marked them with literal red lines, okay? And those, like, inside of those areas mm-hmm. were those houses. I think it was like they wouldn't require a loan. Then that's why, like, you see all these black communities in poorer neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and like they're in the same town as the rich white neighborhoods. Yeah. They're sometimes separated by like the train tracks right. or like, a river, maybe something that like physically separates them.
0: Interesting. And
1: it still happens today, and it's.
0: But there's just no physical lines drawn.
1: No, it's like on like actual maps. Like yeah. this is redlining, so these okay. red lines that's where black communities are, and I guarantee that in these areas there are lead pipes, lead paint, um, uh, no green spaces. They probably have a poor education system where it's not fully funded because it's based on taxes yeah. they like they're fully marginalized and then like the other places are where white communities were able to get loans from banks mm-hmm. and they were able to buy houses in better neighborhoods raising market values and further showing you know like the idea of like how White people have had, like, such a, like, head start on life because slavery didn't end until, like, the mid-1800s. Right. And so, and then, like, they had sharecropping and, like, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Well, this is just another thing to push black black people back and pushing them away from black excellence. Wow. That, like, that's what redlining is. It's yeah. horrible. But that's an example of environmental racism because mm-hmm. you're using the environment to be racist. Yes, and like you're keeping them also from nature, mm-hmm. and like they live in poor structured things, so then they have to like constantly repair it, and like they never get out of this generational. I don't. It's not wealth. It's it's the opposite. Like yeah, trauma. It's, it's horrible. Right. It's it's deplorable even.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a been a long term generational problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: People have a hard time getting out of the cycle of their family. Yeah. And what you're provided in in your environment is a really crucial determinant of who you're going to be when you mm-hmm. grow up there's this whole debate of uh nature versus nurture mm-hmm. and i think the the biggest influence is nurture because mm-hmm. if you take i mean if you take si- if you take siblings for example and you put them in two different environments yeah their outcomes later in life are going to be completely different yeah completely
1: definitely yeah it's just like it's insane and that's where like the whole like education thing comes into play because like if you're not given a good education a proper education mm-hmm. then you start seeing like the pipe like the pipeline of from graduation to prison right or before graduation mm-hmm. because they don't have good education system so like and that's the other important thing about being in nature being able to learn in nature also like sci- it's scientifically proven that it helps with retention levels it helps like with kids who have adhd yes it helps with having a calmer mindset having like better focus better everything really because that's what number one that's what the color green does but also being our nature being able to feel the wind on your face being able to feel the sun there are so many added benefits to having green spaces around and like that's what makes the idea of outdoor classrooms so hard to reach because Mm -hmm. the inner city schools don't have access to parks the fact that cleveland has that access the cleveland
0: metro parks yeah, yeah.
1: that that's insane because like where i grew up mm-hmm. we had we had outside we had Wh- cornfields where are you from Fountain, ohio
0: belfountain ohio yeah i never heard
1: it's the highest point in ohio mm. um we have the first concrete street in america used to be the shortest i don't know why not anymore <laughs> but it used to be but we didn't really have like we have a few parks but not like like, hiking trails, like, the right. the furthest you could get, like, you'd have to go to Myra, which is only, like, a 15-minute drive from where I live, which mm-hmm. isn't bad. And there's also Kirkmont, which is the camp I worked at, which is also, like, 15, 20 minutes away. But, like, yeah. I'm lucky in that sense. But, like, there are other communities who don't have any of that near them. Right. And so the idea of outdoor education is even further from them. So being able to have school systems be able to have it, it part of their curriculum and mandatory, mm-hmm. like – that's mind-blowing. That would be so amazing for so many kids, for so many benefits. And it would also help with climate change. There are just, like, so many benefits. Yeah. I just wish that it would be implemented.
0: I, I, I definitely agree. You know, like you said, not only is it going to help, um, help kids enjoy the learning process being outside – but also growing up with an appreciation of nature Mm -hmm. really brings awareness into why climate issues are so important. Mm -hmm. You know, having those Cleveland Metro parks, I think was such a a crucial role in my development and who I am now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a big, I was a big runner as a kid. Well, I had a interesting um, athletic background. I went, I was, uh, I was used to be like over 200 pounds and like i was a lineman like on the football team and eventually i got really into fitness and really into running and i would run um i i ran i ran an ultra marathon the end of my uh senior year of high school but all of that training was all through the metro parks yeah and all through all through the woods all through these like uh nature reservations mm-hmm. and everything like that yeah i would just spend like hours just running through the, the trails and everything and it those are so, that's been some of the most like valuable experiences i think in my my whole life yeah and it's really what convinced me to care for the climate mm-hmm. is we we really need to protect that i mean, it's a shame that a lot of people don't grow up appreciating it or experiencing it
1: and you bring up an interesting point that like there are people who don't experience it mm-hmm. another important like thing to consider is that if we don't help the climate and we don't help the earth then future generations will have no chance of experiencing it yes that is awful Mm -hmm. like i can't even imagine like kids not experiencing what i experienced which was really the bare minimum of nature i would spend like a week or two out at a a camp and you know like no phones Mm -hmm. like and the food made eastway food look let me tell you (laughs) divine (laughs) Michelin five-star restaurant right here Mm -hmm. but being able to connect with nature and also those friendships right and like you build that kind of stuff together it's just like all of those like little things just like i don't know they're so helpful and they make you really appreciate things a lot
0: yeah for some reason conversations outdoors are always so much better and i never understood why just like taking a walk through the woods yes or whatever
1: i now i would never recommend it as a first date but a date, it could be a little
0: risky. Yeah.
1: That's a little risky, but like a date going on a hike. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Again, not a first date. They would, they could push you off a cliff or something. Yes. But like
0: first walk in in, in a um, populated area. Yeah.
1: Cities even, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe have your friends stalk you a little bit, but I, there's something about the bond that's created when you're hiking. That's yeah. just like so unreal. I love it. it D- yeah.
0: now what kind of impact can your work have and who will benefit from it overall
1: i think the impact would be like you know changing school systems or at least maybe curriculum or maybe even if we can't if it does neither of that maybe it opens the eyes for teachers Mm -hmm. because like the other thing i haven't touched on is teachers also benefit from this this is a full circle everyone benefits from it kind of thing like if, like, we can't change, like, the overall system, which would be so far away from now. At mm-hmm. least, like, the teachers and kids would benefit from it yeah. if they could just implement it every once in a while. If, like, you know, when there's, like, a really nice day, mm-hmm. take your kids outside. Yeah. Like, I remember last year, it was, like, the first nice day of spring. You know, it had been nasty all winter. Last winter, especially, it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my professor and I was like, yo, Ed. <laughs> yo, Ed. Can we go outside? And he's <clears throat> like, yeah. So we had an outside class. Uh-huh. In college, if we can do that. And, think the other thing that's important to note is they did this during COVID. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of schools, they taught their classes outside so they didn't have to wear their masks. If they can do that during COVID, I think they could do it now. So, like... There are just so many little benefits from it. And I also think it would benefit the parents. I think that this is a full circle benefit. I think so. Because you get your kids to go outside. Yeah. And you know, like, you know, like after you spend some time outside, even if it's just sitting, you're like tired. Right. You send those kids home tired, their parents can just put them right to bed. Benefit.
0: <laughs> I know. It's like they'll come home from school and then, then they become like all rambunctious because mm-hmm. they've been sitting down yeah. all day. And they want to get out. They want to run around yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. For sure. And what are your plans for the future, both with this project and for yourself personally?
1: Okay. Well, for the project, I'm hoping to get my research published. Mm -hmm. And then...
0: I know you said you were working on the Lit Review, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, A lot of
1: reading. Oh, my God. It's so much. when Amy said, she wanted, like, 20. I was like, there's no way I'm going to use 20 sources. And now I think I'm at, like, a ridiculous amount. I'm at 21, and I'm not, like, even done yet. Mm -hmm. Like...
0: It, it, it's it's it, insane. It's hard because there's so much out there. It's like so overwhelming. Yes. And you want to you think like you should read it all. Uh-huh. And it's hard to come across this and be like, I should read this and yeah. include this. But it's like, is that like really practical? Yeah. When I had the interview, for, they asked me, what have you learned from the research process? And what would you do differently next time? Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I will definitely be a lot more organized with my lit review. Mm -hmm. And be more selective with my lit review and um, getting background research on new projects. Because you want to read it all, but you can't.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that I learned is that if you're going to be doing a lit review, what Mm -hmm. you need to do is like, what I did was I found like the general stuff. Like I found the best, like it was like a compiled list of all the literature reviews from like the year 1980 to 2010 of outdoor education. So I found that and I read it. All of it, all 30 pages. And then I started writing my lit review. And when I had a question, I'd write the question and then, like, try to find an article based on that. Mm -hmm. And then, like, that's what I started doing. So I, I, like, had one really big one. And then I just started reading the abstracts of literally everything else. And, like, I'd search, like, a keyword. And then, like, I'd go down a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. But, like... That's like that was life saving because at first I was just like you know like reading article after article and I was getting so burnt out. But then I realized like no your abstracts and conclusions are there for you to skim. Like you yeah. don't have to read, especially the methods. I was reading the methods. All like what the heck was I doing? Oh yeah,
0: That's so draining too. No, it it's is. Like, you, you know, it, it's when you first get into it, it's so hard to understand it. Yes. Yeah.
1: And like. It's so intimidating because, like, they're doing, like, I don't know, big things. And I'm like, yeah, kids, <laughs> what did you re- – what do you remember? Yeah. Like, kids, like, they're – and they're, like, over here, like, testing their brains and stuff like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh. I know. So, wild. yeah, that's that's what I've learned from the lit review. But mm-hmm. I do plan on – I want to get this published. And then I want to do the SURE program next summer. Well, this coming summer, and I want to look at how kids, like, their attitudes change in different environments because yeah. I want to be able to build upon, like, not only do they benefit educationally, but, like, you know, their emotions change when they're, like, around green spaces, mm-hmm. and I'm using Amy's kid, and I'm so excited for that because I've heard so <laughs> She's many so stories. Smart. Yeah, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. That kid has never seen Phineas and Ferb. Wait, and really? Amy didn't know what Phineas and Ferb was. Ow. I don't know. Oh. So her kid is going to need to watch it. Yes. But, um, yeah, so that's what I plan <laughs> on doing for that. And then I want to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know where. I'm looking at Stanford right now.
0: Really? Yeah. That's I wan- sweet. I
1: wanted to go to an Ivy, mm-hmm. but with peace and love they're stupid because they don't have a single like geography like program for masters and like that's what i want to do i want right. to do human geography so like i don't know i thought that was a little silly so i'm looking at stanford and wisconsin madison and here because i love kent right and i don't know if i'd want to leave here especially because like i have connections i have amy yeah like
0: and she could be your, maybe your yeah. mentor like later on yeah, too. yeah.
1: and so like I love that. And, like, I would want to continue with, like, the education. I'd want to go into, like, really talking about race... With education and race, with the outdoors, and like combine everything mm-hmm. because like that's where like my passion started with environmentalism. It was environmental justice and environmental right. feminism. That's what started it. So like yeah. I'd like to like I don't know go back to my roots, you know.
0: I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. and uh, because especially with that redlining and stuff like yeah. that, that's something I wasn't I wasn't exposed to. Yeah. And send me that article after this. Okay. Because I have a New York Times thing. Okay. Yeah. So I like gotta gotta check it out.
1: Yeah. No. I. I didn't explain it very well, so just I thought a, you
0: explained it fine. I <laughs> promise
1: I didn't. I like didn't pay like anything I was supposed you, to. You explained
0: it to the point where I got a basic yeah, understanding of it's it. Just, which is what I it's just, it's
1: just like it's horrible, and like, the, it still happens today. Like mm-hmm. that's the disgusting. Part it's illegal, but like you know, like it still it's not, happens. It's not actually legal because yeah. you know.
0: The, so. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that are have been pronounced as. Done with yep and illegal, but they still continue to happen. Yep. Yeah. Or
1: like, there's a loophole for it. There's always or, so like, many loopholes. Um, oh my gosh, they like switch. Not to bring it up, but like, no big government, mm-hmm. and then like controlling little every little thing yes. and like all of that stuff too. Like, mm-hmm. so that also affects it. That goes into another thing, but that's ecofeminism, and yeah. like, it's just so much. It's horrible. It's like, yeah, no. Yeah, it's a lot.
0: Yeah, a lot of work to be done. I think you're going to do a great job um, progressing the field as well. (laughs) Because There's lots that needs to be looked into. We need more passionate people on it. That's what it takes. Now, what have you learned, do you think, from the research process? And how has that benefited yourself personally?
1: I learned a lot about myself, truly, like my beliefs. I really like submitted them into my core person. I never thought that I would be passionate about education. I you know, like, you know, teaching, okay, I could probably do it, you know. But right. now, like, I didn't realize how important it is, which sounds so stupid because it's education and I, like, love school. Yeah. But it's so important. And, like, people deserve to be advocated for. It. And, like, I now have, like, this newfound passion that combines with literally everything that I've been working towards my entire life. I, feel, I truly feel like, sure, like, just took everything that I've had in the past... Twenty years mm-hmm. and has just shoved it all together and then presented me with this opportunity yeah. and now like I got to use it and now like I have a passion I know that I want to go to grad school mm-hmm. I have Amy I like I've met so many cool people like you I've met um this guy named Felix who I think was on this Felix yeah Felix yeah. came on he
0: was he was my first episode in the new studio yes yeah yeah so Felix, like sweet.
1: I've met so many cool people through this mm-hmm. like. Uh,
0: shout out Felix! Yeah,
1: shout out Felix! Come back on the
0: show. <laughs> <I know> he-
1: <laughs> research is just like it's expanded my brain in so many different and cool ways. Like I know so much, I can go about things in a very different way. Mm-hmm. I write my papers better because I've had to write the lit review. Oh, like yeah, that- it's insane. I feel like this has benefited me in every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I communicate better. Yeah, I like I have so much more confidence. I can like confidently say, like in job interviews, yeah, I've conducted my own research yeah i'm i was originally when i was nineteen yeah i'm only nineteen mm-hmm. like that impresses people this is it like the does. coolest opportunity yeah. i just my life has been forever changed by this
0: right it yeah i like you said I've learned so much more about myself yeah. and improved on so much more skills within that eight-week period mm-hmm. than I did all the way through, like, through high school. Yes. There is a clear line before and after starting research. Yes. and l- Employers, they're really interested in what you learn from the research process. Yeah. Not not necessarily your, your project, but what you learn from the mm-hmm. research process. Because, yeah, it helps you communicate better. It helps me write better. It, it I've noticed my thinking patterns are a lot different. Yes. And especially what sources that I listen to and what I see as um, a reliable information. And it
1: changes, like, the way, like, you question things. And, like, I feel like everything, I look at everything through the eyes of a researcher. Mm -hmm. Like, I question everything now. Like, I Nothing's set into stone. Nothing. Nothing. It's like, I... This is so cool, and I'm only 20 now. Mm -hmm. So, like, who knows knows what I'm going to do in 20 years? (laughs) Like, this is what I did when I was 20. What am I going to do when I'm 40? Yeah. Like it's just so cool. and like that's like that's where Amy comes in. She constantly proves that like you don't know what you're gonna do. She studied like it wasn't exercise science, but it K- was
0: kinesiology. yes, kinesiology. she studied that
1: and then she did uh, public health and now she does geography and she's like she was both our mentors and right. we didn't have like I mean, we had like kind of similar research, but really not at all. like we just talked we're both the,
0: we're both in the social sciences yeah, but like that's
1: about it. Yeah. like. And that's just so cool because she's moved throughout life. Mm-hmm. And, like, we can move throughout life. I just, like, yeah. I don't know. Research is just, like, the coolest thing ever. And I really like that it's applicable to everything.
0: Right. Totally. Like,
1: education. And it can help with teaching. And it can help with, which are two different things in my mind. But, and it can help with, like, your communication skills and presenting. And, like... I just learned how to do PowerPoint. Fun fact, I didn't have I didn't know how to use PowerPoint. <laughs> and it was like work, okay, you gotta get like you know your poster done. I just learned PowerPoint. That's one thing that I gained from this. I can now put I know how to use PowerPoint on my resume. Yeah. Talk about a bonus.
0: <laughs> With um LinkedIn learning. Uh, as a Kent student, you get access to free LinkedIn learning. Yeah. And they'll they'll do, like, short courses on really? teaching you how to do stuff like that. I recently took one on PowerPoint. Yeah. And now I have a little certification saying, I'm certified in PowerPoint. <laughs> Boom, I get to post it on my LinkedIn. See, no, I yeah. love
1: it. It's just so cool. Yeah,
0: learn how to use PowerPoint and all those kind of, like, Microsoft tools because yeah. they, they help.
1: You don't think they would until you have to use them. Oh, yeah. Like, when I had to store my data, uh-huh. I was like, I don't know how to use Excel like at all yeah <laughs> and I even put it on my resume like because I I've used it before and mm-hmm. I was like that that's enough it is not enough
0: no no because no. I
1: don't know how to use that so I, I'm still working on that part but
0: I am too you know it's an intimidating piece of software but it makes the, the world go round for yeah, sure it, does. it makes the world go yeah. round well Olivia if you had one more piece of advice to share with the world what would it be
1: oh my god um get outside explore the world and remember that nature is all around you Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter like if you're climbing mountains or just going outside you should just do it all
0: yeah go for a walk yeah go for a walk and enjoy a cup of tea
1: yeah (laughs) definitely
0: (laughs) definitely well olivia it's been great having you on Literally so awesome. Um, welcome back anytime. Let just shoot me a text and we'll get you back in the All studio. All right, cool. Thanks. Especially with Amy, too. Everyone yes. stay tuned for that. She's going to be the first professor that we have on this show um, because, you know, she's played a, a huge role in getting both of us to where we are at mm-hmm. now. So um, big thank you to her. Shout out to her. Well, again, this is your host, John, of The Research Review, creating a platform to inspire. Peace out.